Well, good morning, everyone. It's exciting to see you and to gather with you today. Uh, We're going to be going into Acts chapter 3, so you can turn in your Bibles or turn on your mobile devices and go to Acts chapter 3. Matt, can you bring me down a little bit, bud? Thanks, man. Uh, Acts chapter 3, we're going to be going into, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation in just a moment, but I want you to be prepared and ready as we dive in. So in the middle of a series right now called Look and See, say that with me. Look and see. So it's not just a matter of just knowing it, but it's a matter of doing something about it. And so we're doing a series that's going eight or nine weeks long, and we're talking at the first half of this about how Jesus is working and things, his character, and then in the middle of this, we're having New Life Sunday, and then on the second half, we're talking about how the church is supposed to respond to this Jesus that we talk about. And on the first week, we learned about uh, how Jesus is someone that you can believe, We learned about how the Apostle Paul was actually blinded in order for Jesus to be able to help him see. We sing amazing songs, wonderful songs that talk about how we turn graves into gardens. But we don't want to hear how sometimes in our lives those gardens now have to become graves. Because we were not focused, we were not intentional. And and Paul, who was Saul, had to have experienced a moment of blindness so that he could actually see for the first time who he was actually persecuting. That's wild to me. That's absolutely wild. But God can and will use whatever he has to in order to be able to draw you to himself so that you would then have this opportunity to choose to follow him. He is almighty. He is the God. And so when we talk about how Jesus is someone you can believe, We have to start there. That's the beginning, the foundation of it all. If you cannot get to that point, it is very challenging for you then to understand the next points because in order to be able to learn from Jesus, you have to be be able to believe him, right? Because you're not going to be able to learn from a professor if you're in school if you think that that person is crazy. If you think a person is not really uh, working with all the right tools, then it's possible, am I right? If your students don't trust you, they're not going to listen to you. They may love you and they still not listen to you. But, the not, but basically, if you are following Jesus, we've got to trust, we've got to believe that he is someone we can believe uh, and trust. We get, uh, he's someone that can teach us new things. Last week at the end of service, if you were here, we put together a plan. You wrote out a plan on how you were going to learn new things. Now, if you missed last week, that's fine. We have it online, myclc.info, and you can go to the archives and, and rewatch that, that portion of it if you choose. Make a plan. I made a plan on what I wanted to learn and what I wanted to do. I love reading scripture and just thinking about it all the time. I do. I love to just think about it all the time and just see what kind of inspiring things the Lord might bring to my mind. But I don't just lean on what I'm thinking about it. I test it out. I go on to different websites, trusted websites, uh, that can help me understand the language in which I'm learning, right? Because of the Bible being written not in English. If you didn't know this, the Bible was not written in English in its inauguration, If that's a new insight to you, then hey, let me learn something new. Uh, The original languages and how those fit together, it's fascinating and wonderful. The passion and the power behind the original language. So we need to learn. We need to learn. Uh, And Jesus can teach us new things. This week I've been taking what's called a dwell Bible plan. There's lots of Bible plans you can pick. Just pick one. And I started taking the verse, and, uh, and I choose to just read the passage and then think through the context. I've read through it enough. I know a lot of the context, so I can just process it. I encourage you to, if you have a devotional, who, who reads through devotionals? 
Super cool thing, right? You've, you've had one before where you read a verse and then somebody writes something sweet either about it or empower you. Super great things. But don't just rest on that verse alone. Read more. Read around it. Read the context because it's so easy to take that verse, rip it out of context, and all of a sudden we think it's, uh, you know, in, in intended for us. But the reality is maybe there's a principle, but we got to know what the Bible's teaching for real, like for real, and Jesus can teach us new things. Now, today we're going to be learning how God can use your story to help others see. Your life inspires other people. Ready? I don't think you've got that. Your life inspires other people. If I could look at all of you the same time when I said I would, I'm trying. Your life inspires people. It will either inspire you and other, it will either inspire other people to go towards the Lord or away from the Lord. One way or another, your life is teaching and inspiring somebody because somebody's watching you, especially if you pull the God card. Oh, yeah, I go to church. I love the Lord. Oh, I pray all the time. Now, all of a sudden, they're going, okay, let's see how for real this person is, right? And they're doing this. And then we want to live like heaven on Sunday, but live like um, not heaven on the rest of the week. And people are going, you really don't look anything different than me. I get to sleep in on Sunday, <laughs> but you got all kinds. So our life is inspiring somebody to go some direction. You get to choose how you choose to live. Focus on the truth and be inspirational in that faith. And think about how you behave, right? I tell my kids, hey, I told Brooklyn this half hour ago. She was going upstairs, and oh, I went up there with her this time. Sometimes she just takes off, right? I can't find her. She's where she's supposed to be. And, and so I'll say, hey, remember, you're a Hayberg. Don't embarrass me. Don't embarrass Jesus. Right? You're like, you say that? Heck, yeah, I do, because I live by that too. I'm not trying to embarrass my wife. Uh, anyway, so... Let's take a little poll here. A poll is kind of like a vote or something. We're going to have, some, have a little moment here. Um, I need you to mirror me, okay? So when I say, would you rather, love would you rather. We play this in the car and I make up some wild would you rather. Okay, so would you rather this side? Okay, so everybody put up this hand. You're going to mirror me, right? You know how a mirror works? Okay, Steve, that's not a mirror. Mirror me. There you go, buddy. All right. <laughs> Called you out. <laughs> it's all right. He's a Steelers fan. It's not a big deal. So we're going we're gonna to mirror, could be our year, mirror me here, and then I'll say this over here, right, mirror that. You guys are good, um, but I'm concerned. Okay, so would you rather, okay, so I need you to vote by putting up either this hand or this hand, and I'll walk you through it, super easy, here we go. Would you rather tell us about yourself, or would you rather tell us about a movie you just watched? Which side, Which, would you rather tell us, keep your hands up, tell us about yourself, or tell us about a movie you just watched. Okay, good. Y'all better vote. Okay, would you rather tell us your life story? This would be the mirroring hand you're going to indicate. Tell us your life story. Or would you rather tell us a favorite public figure's life story? Which story would you rather have out there that you have to share? Well, I need to get you in first service mingled because you guys are opposites. All right, good. Would you rather tell somebody something about your, you personally, something's really personal about you, or would you rather tell something that's really embarrassing about you? 
So either you're going to share something really personal or you're going to share something really embarrassing. Some of you are all like, I'm not playing this dumb game. <laughs> Last one. Would you rather tell us your biggest hope or your biggest fear? Your biggest hope or your biggest fear. Listen, the big idea for today is simple. God can use your story to help other people. But we don't like to talk about ourselves in such a personal way. There's a lot of different comfort levels here this morning. But, it, but, but I would like to change our perspective. Because you are not, when you share your faith, you are not actually focusing on you, but rather the Jesus that lives in you. See the difference? Because you talk about how Jesus did a work inside of you, this is why you're different today. So it's not about focusing all on you anyway, but focusing on the Jesus that has made such a difference in your life. And that's the vein that we're going to be walking through today, that we're going to be going through today as we learn about how God can use your story to help others see. We're going to learn from a story today. Uh, that's found in Acts chapter 3. Now, rhetorically speaking, this means you don't answer, okay? Why do you think it is so difficult to talk about faith? Right? So process that for a minute. Why is it so difficult to talk about faith? There are so many reasons why talking about your faith can be awkward. I enjoy creating awkward moments. Ask some of my closest friends. They'll tell you, yeah, he's got like a gift for that. I'm teaching my brother-in-law how to properly hug right now. He's not here so I can say this. Um, because he didn't have it growing up. Right? I'm a hugger. And you are going to learn. If you're, right? You're my family. You're going to learn how to do this. So today I had wrapped him up. He's a, he's a stiff hugger. I don't like that. I'm not hugging a surfboard. And so I had to pull the dude in. Right? That got, he, he was like, ah! So I understand sometimes things can be awkward like that. Where you're like, somebody tells you all the stuff going on in their life and you try to give them some sort of insight like, well, you know, uh, I know that God's here, I know God is present, I know God is working, and if they're not buying it, they're just kind of like blow it off and it's awkward. I get it. Maybe it's awkward because you don't know, uh, you don't know how, right? You're like, how do I share faith? I'm not even sure what to say. You're not sure what you're actually supposed to say. What am I supposed to say? In, in, some, in some arenas, you know, they'd say, hey, and this is a good way of doing it too, that you can memorize what's known as the Romans Road. This would be great. You go research this. Super good. The Romans Road of Salvation. It actually goes through Romans and shows you different passages that lead you to understanding the truth about Jesus. You can do that. You don't have to memorize it. You can have it on a cheat sheet card. I have a lot of cheat sheets. You can, I have your names on, on notes in here because I'm trying to remember things more and more. I have cheat sheets, and so write it down, put it in your Bible, and you can walk somebody through that for sure. Uh, or, maybe, or maybe you just don't feel qualified. Is anybody, would you be willing to say that sometimes I just don't feel qualified to share my faith? Will you raise your hand? Come on now. Would you? Okay, here we go. Here's the thing. You may not feel like you're a God expert. I want to give you, I want to I help you and help you understand you're not. You're not. You're not a God expert, but I can tell you one thing that you are. You're a you expert. You have spent more time with you than anybody else in this fa on the face of this earth. 
You know you best. That's why you're your own worst enemy. You know how to push your buttons. You know how to manipulate yourself. You know how to empower yourself if you choose. You know how to do things. You know the right things to do, but you choose not to do it. You know you better than anybody else knows you. And so when you're sharing your faith about what God has done in you, you know what Jesus has done because you know who you were and you know who you are now. You know the difference that Jesus has made in your life. Now here's where it's a little awkward. You've been attending church for a long time, but you've never experienced that. Then maybe you're not really following Jesus. You're following a Sunday schedule difference it's important for us to be confronted with these thoughts because i would hate for anybody to think you're going down a certain road come to find out that it's not the right road so it's our responsibility believers as we gather to encourage one another and and challenge speak the truth in love with one another and pray over them and encourage them into making choices that will honor the lord And so today we're going to look at a guy that doesn't even have a name. Luke, the physician that wrote Acts, he said he's he's into details, and he didn't think it was important to tell us this guy's name. But we are going to learn how this guy went from uh, not praising the Lord to absolutely praising the Lord. And let's see what we can learn from him. We're not going to spend so much time focusing on Peter and John as much as we are going to spend time on the lame man that was put by the beautiful gate. That's his name. Imagine the driver's license. Lame man put by a beautiful gate. That's all we know of the guy. So I'm going to read through it. You can follow with me in your Bible. You can follow with me on the screens. Again, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And uh, Acts chapter 3, starting in verse 1. I'm going to read through it entirety, and then we're going to go through it again. Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer service. This is something that was consistent. As they approached the temple, a man uh, lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the, the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, he, uh, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. Now when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. The lame man looked at them, eagerly expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. When they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, or porch rather, Solomon's porch, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. You've heard this story before, I would imagine. This is probably nothing new to you, but I want to paint a picture from the perspective of the lame man sat next to the beautiful gate. So I'm going to go through it, and we're going to talk through it a little bit together. Uh, Once again, in verse 1, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 o'clock prayer. As they approached the temple, a man lamed from birth was being carried in. Now, the lame man, this is all he has ever known. 
He, the only thing he has ever known is how his body reacts to life. It doesn't work right. It doesn't work typical, I should say. It doesn't work the way that he would prefer it to work. And so all that he's ever experienced is this idea that maybe being carried or, or just having to beg. So since the time he was born, he had this thing about him that was crippling. I would imagine there's people that even hear my voice or in the surrounding communities and in the world that would say, I wish I didn't have this thing about me. I mean, we, we talk about it in the first week with the Apostle Paul, who was Saul of Tarsus, and how he was blinded in order to be able to see. And so we say things like, why God? Why God would you allow such a thing? Well, God gets to be God. And sometimes things happen because he's truly trying to get your attention. And people don't want to hear that today because especially in America, it's all about comfort. It's all about our wants. But sometimes... God allows things so that he can get our attention. And so instead of pushing away from him, perhaps maybe we should allow ourselves to be drawn in, right? Oh, as he draws us to himself, choosing to lean on him intently. So each day he was put beside the, the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going inside the temple. Now, I want you to understand what this gate was like, okay? Has anybody here ever gone to a concert in a coliseum or like an arena or something like that? Raise your hand. Raise your hand, anything like that? Okay, maybe you've seen it on TV. Very good. So this was not like the queue, all right? This was different. It was way open, uh, and, but, you know, very airy. Uh, but, but I want you to understand, like, the layers that you went through in order to be able to get to where this guy was. First of all, if you go to a Colosseum, you have the outer doors to go through, the outer gates. Now, in this day, oftentimes they would go to the eastern gates because a lot more people would see you, and it was just they enjoyed going. They would even walk around it so that everybody could go through that main area. But even that was not considered the beautiful gate. Once you get into the arena, you know you've gotten into the first layer of the doors, and that's the same way the temple was laid out. Then you have to go through another door or a corridor that leads into your seat. Are you tracking with me? And then you go into that area in order to be able to go there. So what happened was they had to carry him into the outer doors, and then they carried him up to the gate, the single gate that led into the temple court which then where the priests were to go into uh, the temple itself. And so that doorway, that gate that led into the court area of the temple was absolutely beautiful, gorgeous in every way, leading into the temple court area. And so when they sat him there, everybody that was coming in to worship or pray and pray, they would see him there. And he would sit there day after day after day begging for what he wanted. Begging for money. Begging to survive. Begging for support. And so he's sitting there at the gate. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter... He asked them for money, like he had done every single day. I want money. Now, he may have said need, but what he wanted was money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. 
it wasn't a simple situation of, look at us, we're broke preachers, we ain't got nothing, right? It wasn't like that. It was the language behind look at us was, look right here. Be present with me. I am purposefully looking and engaging you. The beggar that everybody else walked by, the apostles stopped and said, join me in this moment as I stare into who you are. That's what it means. And so Peter looks intently at this man. And so we're having a moment here of like, I see you and I hear you. The lame man looked at them eagerly expecting some money. Oh, I'm about to get paid. Okay, here we go. Watching, I'm here, I'm with you. And, the, and, and, and then Peter is crazy. When he saw Peter and John, okay, he asked that, yep. Um, and Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But I'll give you what I have. Ready for this? He did not have what he wanted, but he did have what the lame man needed. And the apostle Peter was aware of the need here. But I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by his right hand. Now, the right hand is significant. When God breathes into um, somebody inspiration to write this Bible, he is not just, just, just throwing out random words. He grabbed him by the right hand, very intentional moment to explain the right hand. Now, why does that matter? Because the right hand signifies strength and God's sovereignty. You see, God is distinguished in power and authority. God's sovereignty is a natural consequence of his omniscience, his omnipotence, and his omnipresence. He is all-knowing, all-power, and he is all-present in every possible time frame. He is there. He is sovereign. Simply grabbing with the right hand is saying, God sees you, and he is about to provide for you. But he hasn't yet. As Peter reached out and lifted him up, it was in that moment that his legs were healed and strengthened. You guys, anybody's ever come up with a surgery or um, some are experiencing breaks, you know, things like that? It heals, but then you need to build back your... God put it in a package. Hey, you're healed and you're strengthened. And here's what the man does with his new found faith. Listen to this. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and he helped him up. As he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. That's the challenge with us today is that the world sees us just doing church rather than being the church and they say, I don't see anything different with you than with me except you get up early sometimes on a Sunday morning and you go to a place where you hang out with people. I like to stay up late and hang out with people at different places. What's the difference? And so this man was not worried about offending somebody based on how God is working in his life. He just was leaping and praising and worshiping and going nuts, people probably looked at him and said, he needs help. And he was more help than he's ever been before. 
and he was worshiping God in this moment. And all the people uh, saw him walking and heard him praising God. He was not walking around quietly. Lord, you're so good. Thank you for who you are. You are wonderful. It was the opposite. He was probably so loud that maybe the the sound was bouncing off the walls. I don't know what happened, but he was going nuts because they went into the temple court and they were. He was getting wild. It probably drew a crowd because that just probably didn't happen a lot. Somebody running around saying, "Thank you, God. Thank you, God." He knew something was completely different about him now, not just the physical form, but even the spiritual form. So when they realized that he was the lame beggar they had, been, they had seen so often, they had, well, this is the guy that we have walked by so many times at the beautiful gate. That's him. They were absolutely astounded. They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's porch where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John in probably an awkward hug. Right? Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Just I don't know what the scene was like, I would imagine that maybe if he was holding on so tightly, I mean, holding these guys, these are my guys. I can't believe it. God used these guys holding on to them. But when Peter and John saw the crowds coming in Acts chapter 4 and later, you can read through there and you can see that the crowd started coming and following this guy. What is he doing? Because it was so mesmerizing that what happened? Peter and John said, hey, we got people to preach to. Let's do it. And they started sharing the gospel. Now, if you read a little bit further into Acts, you'll see maybe there was about 20 years from the time of these events to the time that it was written by Luke. Uh, There's some debate on the time frames, but even if it was as little as 20 years later or so, Luke writes that from that moment to the time that he is writing, it indicates that little gap there that about 5,000 people that says men came to believe. Could have been even more. Because this guy who has no name started praising God for what was happening in his life. And these people were drawn to see, what is that? And God used that to continue to draw people to himself. And then how do you hear without a messenger? And the messengers were ready. And boom, hey, let me tell you something about this Jesus that you all tried to kill. And it. And so let's talk about it. And then they just were like, wow, mesmerized. Mesmerized. Our lives are supposed to be worth following. They followed this man. God used this lame man by the beautiful gate. Our lives are supposed to be worth following because we lead people to the truth. So what's going on in your life that isn't leading people? Only you can decide that through prayer and ask God for discernment and then change it. You have one life. Stop lying to yourself that everything's okay and start thinking, God, is there anything inside of me that's unclean? What can I, what do you want me to do? And just humble yourself to the point of, all right, I'm just going to follow you. There's a couple reasons why this is hard for us. And it has to do with being lame. Not in the sense of somebody say, Dad, you're so lame. But in three possible ways that we all could be experiencing like this beggar, 
some level of lameness. Perhaps maybe you're struggling with a level of mental lameness. You see, mental health includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. It affects how we think, feel, and act. It's also, it also helps determine how we uh, handle stress, relate to others, and make choices. Mental health is important at every stage of life. People right now, more than ever, are struggling with depression, lack of focus, COVID fatigue, PTSD, and generalized anxiety. People are dealing with thoughts of suicide in ways that is unsurmountable. Unfortunately, we don't hear about all this because maybe it's not all reported. I don't know. But just use the brain that God gave you and think about how before COVID, we were connected more than ever, but lonelier more than ever. And so now you throw COVID on top of that and you even take away personal interactions. Imagine what could be happening in the lives of people right now that live next to you and you don't even know it. Somebody's dealing with this. Believers, we are supposed to be able to be there to shine the light into it. We get to introduce, we present Jesus, they get to choose. Jesus gets to do the drawing. We're responsible to teach people to obey in discipleship, right? Teach them to obey all the things that I have commanded you. Jesus told his disciples right before he left, our responsibility is to make disciples. And we're spending too much doing stuff and not enough spending time with people and really investing. Some major dimensions that support a life in recovery. Think about this. God can use these things in powerful ways to empower people. First is our health. Make informed, healthy choices that support physical and emotional well-being. You know as well as I do that binge watching and binge eating does not get you to a healthy place. I have been there. I can tell you that there are times where I can just sit and watch movies and eat. And on the other side of all that, I am no better. If anything, I have just flooded myself with things that probably didn't take me to a good place. Have you been there? Am I the only one? Consider this, our health. We need to take care of our health, our home. It is important to have a stable and safe place to live. Uh, Dave Ramsey from Financial Peace University will say, take care of the four walls so that you have a stable, secure place to live before you deal with all the outside debt. Take care of your four walls. Make sure you have your basic needs met. If your home is an absolute disaster, then fix it. Whatever you can do to do it. Get in there. Clean it up. Organize it. I don't know. Have a yard sale. And so get your mind, right? Get your mind focused because your home matters. Purpose. Engage in meaningful daily activities. Meaningful daily activities where you interact with people, where you're doing some sort of support. Maybe volunteering is always super meaningful. Uh, being a part of different organizations. There's so many opportunities out right now to be involved in different things. It is our responsibility to make sure that things keep moving forward, right? Like we are citizens. We are people of the community that need to jump in and keep going forward and making it happen. Do something purposeful. Work for, um, 
Work for whatever you want to work for. Do something super meaningful, but have purpose. Now, community, this is a keystone to having a, a, a life that is foundational and focused, is actually being the church together and gathering. We're not going to church. We're going to go gather with the church. Big difference. Don't come to church. Come to be with the church. Change the way you talk. Ch- change the way you think. Change the way you speak, because our culture has said, and we have bought into all of it, because we probably caused it. I'm going to church. I'm going to church. We have missed the fact that we are actually going to gather with the church. So when I pray with my kids at night, I say thank you so much that we got to spend time with our family at home, our friends, and we got to spend time with our church family today. Very intentional to make sure that they understand that this is a group of people that follows Jesus and that we together can keep moving forward. Is it messy? Heck yeah. We got some hot mess expresses up in here, and I used to be one of them. And I'm still trying to come out of some things, but we are supposed to be the church. And so mentally, we cannot afford to be lame. Even if the clouds do not part and the sun does not shine here on earth in your situation, God is still good, and you still have a story powered by a responsibility to share it. You have a responsibility. What about socially lame? Socially unavailable, unable to connect with people. What about talking to people, how that may overwhelm you? You've scared your, or scarred your reputation and people won't even let you in. So you feel this level of socially, being socially lame. How about attending church uh, uh, gatherings actually overwhelms you? Now, I'm not talking about personality differences. I'm talking about how we give in to the fear of not wanting to be around people and we simply keep backing up. We need to engage with people, even if it's one at a time. Engage with people, talk with people, because their story might help you in your story, and then likewise your story can empower somebody else. Maybe somebody in here is dealing with a level of spiritual lameness. You're spiritually unavailable, still wallowing in your sin like a pig in mud, and you like it. And you don't know any different because it's all you've ever done. Maybe you're unable to connect with God, trying to worship, but not really in it. Maybe you feel dead on the inside. You might very well be following something else other than Jesus. But maybe you are. The idea here is to be spiritually aware and focused and on point in Christ, not spiritually lame. So here's the big idea for today. God can use your story to help others see. God can use your story to, see, to help others see. And here's our next steps. When was the last time you shared your story of faith with another person? When was the last time you shared your blessed assurance with somebody else? Don't let this be a shaming thing. In the name of Jesus, shame go away. Mm-mm. Let this be a revealing thing. When was the last time that you shared your faith with another person? We have all the excuses in the world. We're just trying to focus here and now. What are we supposed to do? So what we're going to do during this song, we're going to make a plan. We're going to make a plan to share your story in order to help others. Because we all believers, 
you follow Jesus, you have a blessed assurance that people that don't believe don't have. And so what are we doing? What are we doing to share that? I want you to stand with me, and I want you to sing these words out of choice, not out of feeling. And let's give it everything we have and be thinking, who, Lord, needs to know this truth? Blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh, what a foretaste Of glory divine Heir of salvation Purchased of God, born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my Savior all the day of rapture now burst on my sight angels descending bring from above echoes of mercy whispers This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my at rest I 
Watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His goodness, washed in His love. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Let's sing that one more time. This is my story. This is my So, Father, you truly are blessed. Give us blessed assurance for those who believe. God, I thank you for the privilege of being able to follow you, that you invited us into your family, and that we have the privilege to follow you and honor you and please you with our faith. We know it's impossible to please you without faith. So, God, in this moment right now, may, may this very moment be so impactful that we go out here not to leave church, but to go and be the church. So Father, we thank you for the privilege, as Carl said earlier, uh, before, before I had the privilege of coming up here, that the church is more than just right here in these walls. The church in, invites the church, the churches around us all over the world, we have the Baptist Church, Mogador Baptist around us. We have the Methodist Church. We have the Church of Christ. We have the Brethren Church. We have all these churches even right here. We are the church. Empower us. Strengthen us. May this not be an inflated emotional moment, but a time that will define our past into our future, that today we will honor you with our lives. Thank you. Thank you. All God's people say thank you. Thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now receive the blessing of the Lord as we head out here today. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Say it with me. Go and be the church.